People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. What it do, what it do. When I say what it do, of course, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to my people, my audience. Guys, you already know what it is. Another episode of Gold Mines. Goddamn. I think I get more excited about these episodes than you may. Because I know who I'm talking to beforehand. So my level of enthusiasm is always matched with the energy of my guests. By the way... I'm never on low energy because everybody deserves the level of high. Today's guest, wow, inspiration. Inspiration because of the story, because of the the continuation of want and will to get to more success after the first version of success hit. Entrepreneurs feed off of other entrepreneurs because as an entrepreneur, you have an idea. You believe in your idea. It's not until you see other people executing the thing that they believe in that you feel like your shit can work too. I can do it too. This is a man that put that energy out there that has allowed me to have that mindset of I can do it too. Once an entrepreneur, now a shark. God damn. <laughs> now a fucking shark. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a shark on the show from Shark Tank. Show some love to my guy, Damon John. Damon fucking John. Oh, man. It is. It is. They don't know. You've been very patient with me. We, you and I both have busy schedules. And yesterday or two days ago, whatever, I, I botched up with the crackhead connection. And now we back on. Thank you. <laughs> We're back on. But I told you, I said this conversation was that important. I will make it work. Right. Like, I know your schedule's crazy, as is mine. But. Some talks are necessary, and this is one of those talks, man. First of all, you know, I got to say congrats. Congrats on your world of success. Not moment, but the world of success and all that you are doing. We got a lot to talk about, Damon, because there's a lot that you're doing from the side of not just work, not just investing, not just being a personality, but from the side of give back, right? Like, and, and making sure that you act as a valuable resource of information for our culture, for our own, to, to really dive into this understanding space in finance, investing, and money, and operation, and entrepreneurship. Like, there's so many boxes that you're checking, which gives us a wheelhouse of shit to talk about. It's an honor, brother. It's an honor, man. Thank you. The honor's mine. You know what I want to start off? Let's start Let's start at the top, man. I had an opportunity to talk to you when you were doing a... Um, I believe it was like, it, it wasn't a convention. Black Entrepreneur's Day. There you go. Black Entrepreneur's Day. You were an extremely important aspect of it for various reasons. We'll get into that later. 
not to, you know, kind of just like blow you up, but I want people to understand a lot of this back end stuff that we collectively do. But number one, the first aspect of that is I think you on a movie set and I've worked with a lot of people. When you decide to show up, you show up. Absolutely. No matter what. And I know that's an ethic that you had way before in the beginning. And that's why you're at where you're at. A lot of people here can learn from that. You called and there was an ask. And when I got the the understanding of what to ask for, I told them on set, I said, guys, we're going to have to break. Um, and the duration of this break can be anywhere from 15 to 30, maybe 45. I said, but um, this is something that does require my time. So make sure I'm set up properly because I had to do it uh, remotely. You know, this is, of course, through Zoom, through talking. But the idea of Black Entrepreneur Day is so dope. And I want you to explain. I want I want to know where it came from. What made you start the Black Entrepreneur Day? You know, I think it's I think it's what we think about. Uh, we think of the basics of it is what all entrepreneurs think about. So you know, the world was melting. We're seeing people out in the street. We're frustrated. You know, this is during COVID. Obviously, we're seeing Black Lives Matter. We're seeing though also simultaneously, you know, a government who is not, you know, I, I would say just even not even doing the right thing. They're not communicating the like language, the right language, but. Like most entrepreneurs, I was like, man, somebody's going to solve this problem and nobody was solving it. And like most entrepreneurs, I said, well, what are the resources I have at hand and what can I do? It may not be a lot. So what I do, uh, I called up a bunch of friends, colleagues and said, you know what? My inventory is I have a whole lot of well-known people. I have a whole lot of corporations. They're scared because they don't want to just jump out and do some crazy shit where it just looks like they try to put lipstick on a pig. You know what I mean? But we're looking at people burning businesses instead of building businesses. Mm. And these people out there who are doing that, they don't have any hope. And what do they see? They see Kevin Hart. They see Damon John. But they only see us on TV after we have failed a million times. But nobody's talking about how they got to that process and how the system works or what they do and how they're currently failing. So I just, I just called up a bunch of people and said, can we get together and do this? And year one, I had, I mean, amazing people, Ice-T, LL Cool J, Bob Johnson, and various other people. And I didn't only call people who were recognized for their public persona. I called people who also were behind the scenes that you would have never heard of. And anyway, year one, we gave away uh, a quarter million or, or $300,000 to uh, small businesses, African-American-owned businesses to keep them open. And then year two, we did a lot of the Apollo Theater. And the best thing about this virtual world is a lot of people showed up. This is, uh, I mean, when you think about it, I watched Apollo in the 80s. I stood outside the Apollo in the 90s selling hats. I, w- I had money to buy a seat in the Apollo in 2001 and 2000. 22, 23, I was able to book the Apollo for three days and give another quarter million dollars to African-Americans and highlight people like you who took the time out of your busy schedule with contractually. They may have said, hold on, man, we ain't doing that. And you got on there and you educated people about what you went through to get to where you are. And I'm going to just leave it at this. You know, on Shark Tank, because you, I, I've had the honor of knowing that you're a fellow shark, we don't just put people who have public names on there because Nobody would believe it if you were up there and you weren't operating a business. So the producers had a conversation with you and understood you know how to operate business. Mm-hmm. You didn't just go out there and just casually learn that. And you now you're obviously doing VC stuff. But the, at the end of the day, the bottom line is we started to talk about the business behind show business. And everyday African-Americans saw that and said, if Kevin can do it, if Damon's dumbass can do it, if Shaq can do it, 
I can do it. You know what I love and admire the most about you is that you're not afraid to give the information, right? And I think sometimes what we suffer from, especially in our culture, is not just obtaining the world of success. It's it's suffering from the idea of secrecy after, mm-hmm. right? The idea of I don't I don't want nobody else to know how I got it. I'm not trying to have nobody else take what I got because I got it. This is mine. Um, you get to a point after winning where you like. I want to see other people win as well. Um, what was that point for you? I mean, we can go back to the world of, of FUBU. You just got finished talking about selling hats in front of the Apollo. You know, you're talking about a clothing line. The hustle that goes into that is bar none, right? Like getting people to understand this is a brand. This is something you want. You get this brand. The brand becomes successful. You're winning. When did you get to a point where you said, yo, I want to educate other people on how to do this too. I want to start passing the baton. You know what? It's odd because I was raised with that point. Um, and, yeah, when you think about it, we was all taught fight against each other, do this and that. So, first of all, my father up when I was 10, never speak to him again. But my stepfather who came in my life happened to be of the Jewish faith. His brother was a lead attorney fighting for Mandela's freedom. And he told me, my stepfather, Jewish stepfather, said, Never become the thing you're fighting against and be pro-black but never anti-anything else. So immediately I started to see that every solution or, or atrocity around the world, whether it is the Holocaust, apartheid, civil rights, was all collectively people of all colors fighting against an injustice. So I didn't come out this world like only thinking about the ignorant and the racist people. So now, number one, I started with that. Then... I was on tour when I was 16 years old on the, on the, on the tour with the Fat Boys. and I was a roadie, and I was on tour with three separate guys. One said, I'm going to be the, I'm gonna be big in music. The other said, I'm going to be big in videos. And the other said, I'm going to be a big drug dealer. And I said, I'm going to be big in fashion. So we helped each other. But you know who three of us were? Well, we didn't help one of them. All four of us was me, Hype Williams, uh, Irv Gotti, and our boy who said he's going to be the biggest drug dealer. He became the biggest drug dealer. That means that Hype wrote a movie about him called Belly, and his ass just got home after 30 years in jail. But the bottom line is we all set goals as young men and we helped each other. Then Ralph McDaniels would help me put on videos, in my stuff videos. And I remember when I had $27, I went to the Magic Trade Show. I was standing there. I had no money to even enter the trade show. Carl can I walk by and he said, I know who you are. You're one of those FUBU guys. I said, yeah. He was like, come inside the trade show. I'm going to introduce you to every single person that buys my product. Wow. LL Cool J would wear my stuff and put it on the Gap ad. Russell Simmons would sit there and say, I'm going to hook you up. Spike Lee, who had his own brand, wrote a letter to me and said, I see you and let me help you. So I am a product of what the opposite of people think is African-American mentors, uh, white people who believed in me too, and people who believed in me. So wow. this world that everybody thinks, it's not what people think. If you are doing something and it's infectious and you know you're doing it for the right reason, the right people will come around you and say, I got you. Don't worry about it. I love that you are vocal about being a product of a different environment. Vocal, more importantly, about the stance of, of help. When you have people that just believe in the overall idea behind the thing that you want to do, uh, their participation is different, right? You're talking about people supporting it, not because of the check that was attached to it, but because of the rhyme and reason behind it. You got real support talking about rappers, producers, powerful figures that just said, brother, I like you and give me something and I'll, I'll figure it out with you. And I want to introduce, I love the Carl Kanai stance though. I love Carl going, Hey man, come in here. 
I'm going to introduce you to all these people that buy my stuff, support me, because ultimately these are people that you will need to know. That's the important thing about our business and the world of relationships, the world of fucking the politicking Mm -hmm. that goes into building meaningful relationships. It's not always about the gimme, gimme, gimme. Sometimes it's about the introduction that leads to the thing that we can do together. And it's also about not having the ego or feeling that one thing takes away from the next. Carl Kanai was very successful back then. For him to do that to you and to do that for you, it's fucking, that's massive. Yeah. Huge. It's huge. It's huge, man. And he never called me and asked me for anything else. And I will forever, or LL or anybody else, and I, you know, we did great stuff with them, but I will ever, I will forever be a fan and my, my line will always be open for them. And after, and anytime you've ever heard me talk about them privately or publicly, and somebody said, what about Carl Kanai? I'd be like, yo, you better fuck with him. Mm. He's good people. And so, so imagine if you run into 500 people talking about, yo, and you already do. All the people, yo, you need to fuck with them. It ain't about the interaction you have at first and the, this transaction. It's about how you nurture the relationships afterwards. I do believe that's the most important piece to business. It's the relationship, right? It's how people talk about you. It's how people view you. More importantly, it's the position that you put yourself in to be viewed and talked about, right? Like there's 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 positive and there's negative, and I think there's a choice as to which one you want to be attached to you. And mistakes are not, right? They don't have to stick. You can always recover from a mistake because humility and honesty will forever be seen by those closest to you and around you. That's the point that the people don't understand. You see, you and I grew up, and many of us grew up in, in an area where you know we had to have a very hard exterior shell. And many times, and most of the time, we didn't have anything, so it was what we projected that we had. And to be a true entrepreneur and be successful, humility and vulnerability is true. Now, that doesn't mean you're weak, but, you know, if I walk in a room and I, or Kevin walks in a room, you go, listen, I don't know a lot about all this. I know this. Mm-hmm. I don't know about a lot of all this right here. And you know what? If there's anything you could teach me, man, I'll really appreciate it. And I'll be a service of you. Now, a lot of people look at that as, man, you're weak. No. You are, you are saying, here's what I know. Because if you act like, you know, when you walk in the room and you you quiet, I remember, listen, you know, I'm going to tell you when I played myself, played myself. Mm-hmm. Had a little buddy of money, 98. You know what I'm saying? I got a little, I got a FUBU chain on. It's worth about 300,000 crushed diamonds. I mean, these diamonds, if you look at them, they're so cloudy. You don't want to go to probation with, with piss like that. I get invited to this place in Denver, I think, what it is. So, you know, I bring my bodyguard out there, East Coast, West Coast happening. I walk in the room, there's Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, some dude named Bezos. Now, here's the problem. First of all, I go up there, they're not serving no, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, Hulks. I think the Hulk was uh, Alizé. Tennessee and Alizé, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> they had no class. There wasn't a Gucci belt in sight. I'm standing in the corner. Big ass bodyguard. Me mugging Bezos. $300,000 chain. And I leave there and nobody talked to me. I'm wondering why nobody talked to me. Yeah. Dudes were billions upon billions upon billions. The, the, the clothes they got on, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the hell happened. The t shirt, jeans, and some dirty sneaks. They ain't got no bodyguards. No, nobody knows me. It's fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But I was unapproachable. Not only were you unapproachable, but you were. 
you were the complete opposite of what that room was. You have to engage in those rooms. And in order to engage, you have to be approachable. You have to be likable. You can't come off as a threat or somebody that's just difficult because ultimately nobody wants to deal with that. And that's what it is. The idea of cool in those rooms don't really exist. Well, there's a difference. See, in those rooms, see, I've been in some big rooms. And when I'm in a room with the rich, they're talking about how much money they spent. When I'm in a room with the wealthy, they're talking about how much money they gave away. Wow. It's a totally different conversation. Holy shit. Say that again. <laughs> when you're in the room with the rich, they're talking about how much they spent. In the room with the wealthy, they talk about how much they gave away. It's a different conversation. But when I'm in the room with the with the with the rich, they're talking about starting new businesses. And you know, Kev, when you start walking around and you're talking to the ones with the bees behind them, yeah. they're not talking about starting new business. You know what they're only doing? They're writing stuff down. I'm yeah. like, well, and I remember about 20 years ago, I asked, I said, What are you writing down? And the guy said to me, Well, you know, if I'm gonna pay um you know, $600 million in taxes this year, I'm going to write down all the tax advantages the government gives away to try to save $200 million. I can start a business and put money at risk to maybe make $200 million, or I can just save the money I have right now. Mm. You know what I've learned, right? And I, I can say that now, now I'm in those rooms. I'm, I'm able to walk into those rooms and I'm, I'm able to uh, expand and build, you know, on a lot of those relationships. And what I've learned the most is that they're not in competition with one another. Mm -hmm. They find ways to make money together. Mm -hmm. They find ways to secure money and opportunities they do together. So what I've, especially in a place of venture, right? It's like, okay, the big wins come from the same names in that space. And what you'll find is that there's a train of people that follow those names because they basically make the investment or make the opportunity that much more credible when everybody jumps on the train. So instead of having the ego about starting your own train, well, if we can be on this train. And then when we do have one, because we follow their train, now they are willing to come on ours. Well, that's how you elevate. You elevate by understanding the opportunity and alignment. And when your opportunity presents itself, being okay with the ask of the same thing and hopefully get the return. But it's the it's the connectivity and we can do it together. They understand how to navigate in this space together. That's what I've seen. They all move together. Absolutely. You know, they're all forms of a coalition. So, you know, people, if you don't, if you don't see it the way that you and I are fortunate to see it, well, go out. Don't you notice in every single, you know, when you look at these big uh, strip malls, there's a Bed Bath and Beyond, then there's a Petco, then there's whatever, because what they're doing is they're all working together. Um, so they don't try to say, well, because I can get retail store in Bed Bath and Beyond, I want to open up, a, a, you know, a Starbucks. I want to serve. Cor they basically say to everybody, hey, guys, here's the areas we're looking at. We're down. You guys down. All right, let's all rock out. I'm down. You know what I mean? It, it fixed the number. All right, there's a McDonald's. And, and, and so what happens? You, you think it's just a secret. They just go down a block about, oh my God, look at that one. We're going to pop that up. Mm -hmm. Why are they collectively doing it? it? It's a coalition, man. So whether there's a coalition of all the people you came up with, your business, or you're like, mm -hmm. these are the good promoters who, you know, these are the good um, other acts that, you know, at this time I'm opening in this town, they're opening. You know, these are the good radio stations. You know, collectively, it is collective. Period. Damon, uh, an amazing conversation this is. But on Gold Mines, I got to pay the bills. Let's take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, we got more Gold Mines with Damon John when we come back.
Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back. This is Gold Mines, and I'm still talking to the shark himself, trying my best not to get bit. Damon, so let's continue. Let's pick up where we left off. I love that what we're able to do here, you know, on this podcast is have the general conversations, right? But they they come from such a real place and the information that the audience is able to take away. It's information is not available anywhere because, you know, people aren't necessarily having these discussions, having these conversations. Um, I like that you've made it uh, a priority for you to have these conversations more. Um, you talked about your upbringing for a little bit, right? You talked about, of course, your father, your relationship with your stepfather, growing up in your background, right? Um, what was it do you think that sparked the entrepreneur side of thinking, the entrepreneur side of business for you? You know, was this, was it the stepfather? Was it the mother? Like, where did the the eyesight to do this come from? Well, my father's Trinidadian, uh, my mother's African-American, and they were always working and you know, when I was a kid, my father left when I was 10. My mother always had an entrepreneurial spirit, always. And she would always, you know, she always say my day job would never make me rich. It would be my homework. And she always a creative thinker. And a lot of people looking at us as, you know, and they say we're entrepreneurs. But I always say a mother is the ultimate entrepreneur. My mother's figured out. Nothing against dads. But a mother risks her life to bring somebody in this world. There's no book that's going to tell her what to do step by step by step. And she figures it out. Right. And that's what we do with our careers and our businesses. If you really think of that, my mother, would, but my mother, she just studied. She understood something. She understood that art and culture and travel were going were gonna to be the ultimate educators. So I went, I lived in another city every single year of my life. I, I lived in Hawaii. I lived in this, I lived in that. Now, you may say, well, Damon, first of all, we were six months out of, uh, 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 six months out of our life. We had been on welfare. My mother's a very proud woman. My mother ain't had no money, but before 9-11, my mother figured it out. She went, damn, go to Hawaii? Well, she knows Supreme Team is around the corner, so she wants me to get off these streets in the summer. So she would buy a 17 connecting flight three years ahead uh, in advance for like $200 for me to leave here, wow. I mean, leave New York and go and stay with a friend of hers who lives on a naval base in um in uh, you know, uh, in Hawaii, and she would watch 
that woman's son. So I leave in June and I get there in sometime around August because it was 17 damn connecting flights, but she figured it out, right? And she thought entrepreneurially. And as I got to see the world and the culture, I got to understand different people and I understand there was different type of hustles. We've been hustling, especially African-Americans. We've been, we've been hustling since the beginning of time. We just never formalized it. We've been bartering and trading every, every day. Mm-hmm. We just never actually, not never. We often didn't formalize it because we didn't come from generational wealth. It's not that we don't do it. We didn't do it enough. Right. We haven't done it enough to the point to where we've been able to grow in the manner to say, here's multiple examples of generational wealth that are attached to our culture. And don't get me wrong. We, both of us understand there's a massive amount of systemic issues that have happened. Absolutely. uh, And have prevented this. Yes, of course. But at at the end of the day, we can either go up or down, right? Yeah. You know, we got to move forward and try to figure it out. You're not disregarding the obvious. We know the obvious. Right. Uh, you're speaking on just the matter of fact of, yeah, look, I think a thing that we haven't done enough of, and by the way, as a culture, the people, we are all aware um, that we haven't formulated this idea and utilized all of our resources and put our resources together to have something that stands on a mountain as ours so that we can build off of it. We've been very sporadic. We've been very separate and rightfully so because of the systemic issues that you're talking about or the uh, economic lows and, you know, the financial potholes that forever present themselves for our communities, our people, and, you know, which act is the reason why we're always starting out and last, right? Like there's a reason for the consistency in us having to catch up. And by the time we do, well, we're still in fourth, fifth. Like it's it's a it's a thing of always coming from behind. So what you're saying, I understand. Uh, but just just for clarity, just you know, we don't want people thinking that we aren't aware of the obvious when clearly we are. Uh, but go, I'm following. Yeah, you're 100 right. So she taught me, you know, this thing about keeping work and you know, keep working. But I got to tell you the honest truth. Listen, I, I wasn't. I was dyslexic. I got left back in school. My mother gave me a lot of um, fundamental lessons that I learned uh, when I got left back in school. They were gonna allow me to go to the next grade. They knew I was acting up because my parents got divorced. My mother said, "No, you're gonna leave his ass back in school." And um, she 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 made me realize that at the end of the day, all the decisions I make, I have to pay for. Um, but you know what? I, like I said, I was on tour, so I was too cool. I was too cool for anybody. So I called all those all, all those kids who was trying to go get a higher education at 17, 18. I was on tour. I called them nerds and geeks. <laughs> um, you know, um, and then at 22 years old, those kids are coming back, looking at careers. I'm at Red Lobster serving them shrimp with tartar sauce on my apron. I'm like, yo, I'm a fucking idiot. Wow. And I felt low in life. And those nerds and geeks, now we look at them, it's fine, right? The band, the band geek became people like, now I didn't know him, but the band geek became people like Timbaland and Dr. Dre and the nerds became people like Zuckerberg and Bezos, right? So now that's a whole other story. Mm. I started to dig in deep on something I was really passionate about, being able to dress a community. I couldn't rap, sing, or dance, but I kind of knew these rappers. And I didn't know them that well, but I knew their friends. So I looked at OPM as not necessarily the people's money. I looked at their video sets. I had 10 shirts, and for two years I put on their video sets because OPM is other people's mind power, manpower, marketing, manufacturing, you know, uh, mistakes, and other people's mentors. And I started going around and leveraging these shirts there because I wanted to be on the video set, first of all, hang out. I wanted to feel like I was part of a community. And then I decided I'm going to cut off all friends, all everything else. I'm going to work three hours. I'm going to sleep three hours a night. And by 30 years old, I'm going to be somebody worth of value. And if not, I know at least I left it all in the field. 
And from 22 to 30 years, man, I didn't look and talk to anybody. I, I just was no down on the grind. There you go. I mean, by the way, that's that's having a plan. I love the frustrated aspect, too. There was a moment where, and I've, I've talked about this maybe once, maybe once or twice. There was a moment where I was the guy that didn't give a fuck about school. I was, you know, cutting class, hooking, and my friends were right there with me, right? Like, I thought we was all in this together. And <laughs> I remember we were, it was senior year, and we were at, like, the lunchroom table, and everybody was talking about where they were going to school. <laughs> like, they got accepted. Mm-hmm. They got letters, right? Like, everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to Temple. They accepted my other friends, like, LaSalle, Drexel. That friend was talking about Villanova. Villanova, And man. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? When did y'all... What did y'all do this? I'm like, Kev, where you going? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't, I, I didn't know that we was. We was doing that? I ain't going to know. I guess I'm going. I got to figure it out. And like, I had to scramble. And I ended up at Community College in Philadelphia. But what appeared to be group fun, well, they were taking care of their business. Like, they, mm-hmm. they were never not doing their job. Like, they were applying themselves. In the real time, when I was under the assumption that we all was fucking off. I mean, with your mind open to being able to balance both of those? I'm sure some of them, they don't they don't get into a school by doing nothing. I'm sure some of them are like, nah, I can't hang out today. And you, yes, no, they weren't there all the time. Right. I was the one that was there all the time. You was here all the time, because but he was only here 20% of the time. Yeah. He was only here 20% of the time, and you were like, it's a party. Yes. Oh, I get that. I had glimpses of them. Not not all. Yeah. Glimpses. One would be there sometimes. Another would be, but they were doing their work, right? Like, they were doing their work. And it's not until, the, the point that I'm making, like, it's not until... You get smacked in the face with the reality of here's the consequences from you fucking off. Here's the consequences from you not taking shit serious. Other people around you will. Other people around you may be doing the things that they're supposed to do. Your assumption that because you're in a fun mindset and your surroundings are, well, it it could very much and very well be wrong. Mine was wrong. I found myself in a position where I had no plan. I didn't know where the fuck to go. And I was in community college. Not to say that the community college option is a bad one because it's there for people that need to recover from the mistakes. But my mistake was just the real side of fucking off an opportunity that was right in front of me just because. I think, though, as a takeaway, so first of all, thank you. I'm, I'm a student of life. And I think I never thought of this one point that our, you know, the people listening to us right now can immediately take away because they look at their, they look at this week or whatever, right? And you came up with an extremely valid point. You know, you were ready to party 100% of the time, but if you looked at half of them, they were all ready to party 10 or 20, and you never took inventory because you were so busy thinking it was the whole world. And the people right now take inventory of the people around them who is either Parting 100% or only part, doing whatever is not as productive or overdoing something. I think if they took inventory, they may come up with a realization that you had to find out the hard way, but they'll take away from, I'm going to start writing that down right now about who's around me, you know? Damon, I had a conversation with my son. My son is 15 years old, right? And my son was going through this period where, you know, this motherfucker was just in the bed. Mm. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What, why do you need this much sleep? Like, why are you this tired? Why are you just chilling in the room? And then I said, I said, who are your friends? Mm-hmm. 
who are your friends? And I made him run down a list of his friends. And then I made him run down what they do. What are your friends doing? Let me let me know the activities attached to your friends. Mm-hmm. Who's active? And he started to run down his list, man. And what he found is that a bunch of them weren't active. Mm-hmm. And he had like two of them that were, that ran track and that played sports and that was into after school like activities or into mm-hmm. computer tech and game building, et cetera. But the other ones were just on some chill shit. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you surround yourself with a chill environment, you're going to chill, son. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. I said, if you surround yourself with an active environment, you're going to be active. Mm-hmm. I said, you have to feed off of the energy that you're putting yourself around. And the energy that you're around if it's not active, then you won't. And he thought about it, and he started to hang out more with the world of track. Now, he's embedded into it. He's at practice. He kicked up the world of practice. He was practicing twice a week. Now, he's at seven days a week. He's in weight training two days a week, but he's feeding off the energy of the one friend that was really dedicated to it. And now, what he saw follow his schoolwork, his patterns. Everything now follows suit. And he came to me and he's like, dad, he said, it was crazy. Is like, you were right. I had to make a choice as to who I was giving that time to. And what we're talking about now, Damon, is that environment, those people around you, when you're talking about taking an inventory, you got to really assess the people that you choose to give your energy to. Are they negative? Are they positive? Are they productive? Are they fucking ambitious in any way? What do they want? What do they do? And you'll find that when you really start to get into that shit, you'll find that a lot of the things that you do could be possibly attached to the things that are happening around that thing around you. I made the decision a long time ago to separate myself from certain people because it just wasn't conducive with where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. Conversation you're going to have in those circles is going to be the conversation, you, you know, you become what you think about most of the time. And if you're sitting around people who are whatever, lazy, the gossiping, they, they're talking about TV shows, which is great, entertainment is great, but are you balancing it? But if they're always talking about, yo, I'm going to go home and chill, yo, you, you know, you know, yo, this new kind of weed or gummy, well, you're going to have more of those conversations. You know, you talk about other people who will be like, yo, I want to go travel here, or I need it, oh man, you know, AI is coming around, or, you know, listen, I got to go to the gym. You're going to have that conversation. So every year since I was 20, I come up with a list in the beginning of the year who I'm going to cut off. I'm going to come out of my life. No, excuse me, since I was 30. The, the reason why I do that is because I've realized that um, I only have a certain amount of time. And um, the first people I cut off, I feel that if they aren't good friends to themselves, they're never going to be a good friend to me. So I got to cut them out. Second of all, if I'm not a good friend to them, well, maybe I'm wrong. But there's something there that I don't like. I don't know what it is. The only thing you can ever trust is your gut. Um, and some of them are family members. And then what I do is when I cut those people off or I or I change the way we work and I tell them exactly why. Hey, man, I'm, I know I'm your boy. I'm never going to work with you again from business aspect. But you know what? We can hang out here with the kids. I let other – it gives me room to let other people in my life that maybe I deserve their love and attention. Maybe they deserve my love and attention. But I'm not – I'm cutting the toxic things out of my life. I don't even have to explain why I don't want this person in my life. I don't, I can't explain it. My gut says it. I have no art way to articulate it the right way. I ain't fucking with him, you know? You're also older. You know, the, the dope thing about getting older 
you're okay with making those decisions. Like, yeah, I am. Yes, yeah, the, the younger, the younger side, and you know, I'm 43, right? So I'm I'm not like I'm not crazy with an age, but I'm at a point where you're so okay with being honest and direct. Yeah. The older you get, it's so easy to be honest and direct because the younger you, you feel bad. Yeah. Oh man. I don't want to say nothing. Let me just kind of lie. Do I think I'm a know-it-all? You know what? It looks good on paper. Oh, man, look at that ass. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You're in a place of great decisions and being okay with decisions. How old are you, Damon? I just turned 54. 54? Yeah. You look fucking great, man. Good for you. Man, thank you, brother. Good for you, man. 54, and do you feel like you're, you're clear? Do you feel like your perspective on life, your happiness in your life, do you feel like you're in the best place that you've ever been at the age 54? Man, I, I got to pinch myself. I am in the best place I've ever been in my life for so many different reasons. I have a new, I'm going to talk about it briefly, yeah, and I have a newfound purpose in life too. Um, I just lost uh, 40 pounds naturally um, because, you know, I do this thing called goal setting and I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't do it for six years, but I stopped drinking. That's it. Mm-hmm. I just cut the drink out. I cut the alcohol out. I tried it one drink on Tuesday, three drinks. and I knew what I needed to do. Um, I lost four pound, uh, 40 pounds naturally without a trainer, without a nutritionist, and maybe one day I'll have that. Uh, you know, a Kevin Hart bought body. You've been known to be one of the hardest working men in the gym. My wife saw you in the gym in Equinox one day. She was like, God damn, what's wrong with that dude? I was like, I don't know what's wrong with him, man. And over where we used to live on 57th Street, I was like, yeah, I heard, I heard dudes out of the goddamn mind. Um, but um, he hang out at the Rock too much or something. But anyway, I said, um, um, but you know, I'm in, I'm in the best. You know what? I got I got a new little baby girl, you know, and I and nothing again. I told my wife this. I think that's why Mick Dragon and all these guys live long because they got a new wife every fifteen years. They got a new they got a new new something that comes a new baby comes in their life and gives them more purpose. But my second marriage, I got a six seven a six little year old baby girl. I've been on I've been on I've been on I've been on a show for fourteen years. Um, I got all these companies, these beautiful companies. I'm one of the only known African Americans purely for business around the globe. I sit next to presidents. And, but more importantly, and I'm going to share it with right now. I, I realized, I realized, uh, you know, my, uh, somebody told me we don't have any national heroes for education or children anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? And my buddy, our buddy who owns um, Coco Melon, he said, listen, after, after five years old, the kids have uh, Peppa Pig and Daniel Tiger, but between five to 12, we had Mr. Rogers, mm. Bob Ross, or Steve Ross, the, the Muppets. So we had national heroes, but even our kids may have had Barney and Steve from Blue's Clues, but the kids after that have to look go on, uh, on YouTube and they got a thousand splintered families that are playing with toys. Yeah, unboxing. Unboxing toys and playing with the toys. They care about unboxing instead of what's being built and put in the box, right? And he said, Damien, you've been in their living rooms for 14 years and nobody's teaching our kids financial intelligence as kids. And then they don't learn at all in kids, as kids in school. And then at 17 years old, they get caught up with $700,000 worth of student debt that they won't pay up until they're 55 for a career they're not even sure they want to have. And it's not a conspiracy. You see, Mark Cuban... And he is right. It is a not conspiracy, but it, the drug system is is exploiting our Americans, and he's going to go to his grave as the guy who is known for breaking this system. So, if you ever want a hundred fifty dollar pill, cost fifteen dollars on his site. It's called Cost Plus. Now, by the way, I want to tell Mark Cuban that's the stupidest name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> 
Why the hell would I buy something called Cost Plus? Because uh, the regular consumer don't know what Cost Plus. That means cost and plus. Motherfucker, you crazy? I ain't buying that shit. So if you want to help people, Mark, change the goddamn name. It should be called Discount Drugs, whatever it is. But anyway, my goal is to educate our children, and there is no conspiracy. Bottom line is, we grew up, our school system antiquated. They're sending kids to shop like when we were in World War II and you needed a trade. Kids need to know about compounding interest. What to do with $3 comes into the, well, adults need to know this. What do you do with $3 comes into the house? Well, there's $3, $3 million. First dollar goes for what you have to pay for. Second goes to something you invest in. And third goes for what you would like to have but don't have to have. But most Americans do three as number one, never get to number two, and barely get to number one before they get kicked out of the house. And if I start training these kids, our children, from that point in their life, then I want when Kevin Hart comes out with something. Let me highlight it on this platform. I don't give a fuck who comes out with something. You helping Americans, uh, kids, bring it on because then I want the school in North Carolina to say, here's how the grades have improved. Why aren't you doing that in South Carolina? Why aren't you doing that in California? And that is my lifelong mission. And that's why nobody can see it. But that's why I wear this uh, uh, hat. I wear a hat like a magician. Um, because uh, when I start talking to the kids, they don't care about my $10,000 Tom Ford suit on TV. I wear this hat. They're like, oh, you're going to make magic? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to make some magic. Let's talk. My magic comes through my information. That's right. My magic and my big trick is getting you to receive the information and apply it. That's what my big trick is. And I'm not known for being somebody like you. First of all, we got the hardest job in the world. You tell one joke, you can't tell it again. Madonna could sing Material Girl for the rest of her goddamn life. But I can now become somebody like you because I can now be the funny side of Damon. Because I tell everybody, don't grow up as a trap. So now I can have these conversations with kids and have a good time. You know what I'm saying? And then when people talk to me, I can say your mother and talk about them and say <laughs> stupid shit. Because I'm enjoying being a kid again. Yeah, yes. Yes. You know what I mean? By the way, I'll still tell you the GDP of India, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, you smell like uh, hot dog water. And you know what you're doing? You're finding joy in your new purpose, in your in your new drive. And look, we need that. The The beauty of, of growing up is finding new things to attach to, new things to prioritize, new things to get good at. And you're talking about solving a problem that we all know exists. You're talking about, once again, fulfilling a gap. And there's synergy in all that you have done and that you're doing. Like, there's a nice connective, like, piece of tissue that attaches them all. You're you're talking about a lot of cure along the lines. And I mean, our youth is important. Our, our youth is responsible for what our tomorrow will be. So without the right information, the right gems, we're not putting them in the best position to win. I love that. We're setting them up for failure, man. And when you know what, when they go, when they go to college, nothing against the financial institution, but those guys are lined up to sell them student debt and they all have CFOs. Absolutely. They all have financial intelligence. So basically the bottom line is I, I don't want to not plug it. Please do. You know, just so you know, my book is called Little Damon Learns to Earn. It shows how Little Damon collectively brings his crew around, open up their first business. It fails horribly. Then he taps into every, like you and I were talking, he taps into everybody's skill set. You can sing, you can dance, you can paint. We're going to build this business together, and all of us are going to profit the same way that a Kevin Hart, there's 10 people around a Damon John and a Kevin Hart that you may never see, but they're fucking superheroes. 
and they are running our world, running our lives. And 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 Kevin Hart and Damon John, we're Batman and they're Robin, but most of the time we're Robin and they're Batman. You know, I like to say Robin was a groupie. Robin be like, yo, holy holy buttermilk, Batman, how you do that? So I like to say Captain Kirk and Spock, because you know Captain Kirk be like, yo, Spock, first of all, I'm a I'm gonna bang that blue chick from with three arms, and then I'm gonna go do this. And then Scott, Spock be like, yo, man. It's like a 2,000 chance that your winky going to fall yeah. off, 2,000% chance that your winky going to fall off, and then we ain't going to be able to get the ship to fly. Yeah. And, and, and Kirk be like, no, 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 but let me get that. And, and Spock be like, let me put your ass to sleep. Yeah. All right, let's get the, let's get the, 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 the fly. A viable asset he was. Yeah, man. Lil Damon learns to earn. Wow, Damon John. Yeah, Lil Damon learned to earn, basically, and I got programs where you can you can donate to a 501c3 that will give all the books away. Um, you know, and remember, don't think like an adult. This is something you buy once for you for five to ten. You connect with your child. I'm tired of telling my daughter read princess and pony books. I don't want to tell her no more that she's gonna be a princess and a prince is gonna one day come and save her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell tell her that no more. But as a children's book, what you do is you don't read this once. You know, I read Catcher in the Rye once. I didn't care. Kids love repetition, so you read this once a month for two years, and then once you're done with it, you give it to another family. You know, so that's why you can't think like an adult. I want to donate. I'm going to donate, and I'm going to say it here on Gold Mines. Uh, I want to be a part of of putting this in schools and, you know, uh, putting you in a position where the book can be distributed for free. In all due respect, I wouldn't want to take your money because if, if you could because who you are just posted man you know remember OPM other people marketing why, why even do that you know save that money for another organization your OPM if you have chance we'll send it over you send it to me send it to me I would much rather I would much rather have it to read to my five-year-old son and my my two-year-old daughter I'm dead ass I want to support it I want to support it I want to support you uh and it's it's something dope it's 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 on the side of necessary and needed so you get my full attention my full attention from it well thank you let me let me bring one other point please for one second and the point is that i want people to before i don't know when we're cutting off but to take away something very important i want you to take inventory and one thing that my mother did because you know a lot of a lot of us listening right now were too busy to walk in the room and have that honest conversation that Kevin had and the and the child be honest about what's going on. So one thing my mother did to, did for me is she used to take these puzzles, thousand jigsaw puzzles, and she used to lay them out on the table and she used to make me do the puzzle with her. But what happened during the course of that three hours or two hours, she slowly was picking my brain. So where's Alfred at these days? Oh, I don't know. Alfred got a new car. Oh, my God. Alfred's 16 years old. How do you afford a new car? I don't know. What's so far doing? And my mother was slowly jotting down information. Wow. She didn't say nothing mm-hmm. to me. She was compiling a book, and she was saying, finding out what's going on, because my guards were down. Building a case. Yeah. Building that case to really come back at you. All right. And there you go. I love what we talked about. I love what you now stand for. I love that you got purpose, man. You know? And- the great thing about building a business, building a brand is that after you do that, you realize that there's more work to be done. And that work isn't just for you as a person. It's for community, culture, people, for the better of good, for our world we live in. More importantly, for the next generation. And 
talking to you motivates me just because it's dope to hear you still create. It's dope to still you have an energy behind the things that you want to do. And that's what life is about, man. Life is about living and doing as much as you possibly can while you are alive. And Damon John, you are an example. You are a fucking inspiration. And I hope our listeners feel and and respond to you in the same manner that I am. That's what Gold Minds is about. It's about talking to guests with unbelievable minds and unbelievable outlook and story, not just on their now, but their then. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I have to say any more. It's a perfect way to end the fucking perfect episode. I got to talk to a shark today, and I'm leaving without getting bit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Damon John. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, champ. Gold Eyes with Kevin Hart is a serious XM and LOL radio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.